Lanark United have had to play their home games away from Moor Park after it was damaged during the storms. But there's been plenty of grounds for optimism at the Yows after they were taken over by a new management team. They still prop up the West of Scotland League's Conference C, but last Saturday's win over East Kilbride Thistle showed things might just be starting to turn. One half of their new dugout duo, Andy Souter, joins us on the show this week. He tells us how he and co-manager Simon Eels plan to take the club forwards. There's also their cup run, which has kept their season alive and sees them face Pollock in the next few weeks. Andy talks about his time coaching in the pro youth ranks when he worked at Inverness, Ross County, Morton and Queen's Park and why there needs to be a better exit strategy for kids who aren't quite good enough to make it at that level. We also hear about his spell working with youth teams in the States and the one Americanism he struggled to shake off. There's Mark Mackay's Best of the West too and it's all here as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. Well, Paul, uh, we're kind of getting closer and closer towards the end of the season now. Um, the conferences will soon be a thing of the past. Do you, do, do you think they have worked? And, and how much are you looking forward to a season when things should hopefully have maybe kind of evened themselves out a little bit and you're playing, you're playing clubs who you know are around about your level, if you like? First of all, I think the, the conferences have worked. I think uh, if you look through each conference, even the Premier League as well, teams are there on merit. Teams of, you know, one or two teams have kind of surprised us. We touched on last week's show with Ardea Thistle and stuff like that. I think uh, Thornywood's had a great season as well. Uh, and, you know, I'm kind of rooting for Nizzy and Dolsey to try and finish fourth there. That'd be great for them. Uh, so yeah, I think I think the conferences have worked uh, from a manager's point of view, and and I'm talking, you know, I'm only talking for myself, but I'm sure there's managers out there who have been looking at fixtures, and you know, if boys away in the weekend, and they're thinking, oh, we're going to a canvas line, or we're going to wherever we're going on the road, and it's gonna be it's gonna be tough weeks. It's been a lot of tough weeks for you know, what character building for players as well. Uh, but yeah, overall, I think they've worked. Uh, now when we've got to go into the league structure, I think the teams will all be there and, and where they should be. As for looking forward to next season, can't wait. Can't wait. We've got two games to go. I can't wait to get them out of the way. I can't wait to get into pre-season. I can't wait to be trying to sign new players, trying to keep on to players that we've got. And... Really looking forward to next year because whilst you look at the teams at the bottom of every league, if you look at the goal difference, there's a reason why you know there's a reason why they're down there, and all all the teams are now going to be playing each other. That should be, as you quite rightly said at the beginning, their uh, teams round about it. So it's going to be competitive, and I'm really excited about it. It's. I also think that the West of Scotland league structure has been a success. I'd maybe like to see a little bit more 
promotion round about it. Yeah. Certainly next season as well, I'd quite like to see a little bit more promotion in terms of, well, we've all seen the troubles in the world at the moment and energy prices rising and, you know, people are going to be struggling. Why not, you know, senior clubs are going to lose supporters in terms of season tickets. I think the league, the league should be doing something now and trying to attract those supporters in. Because honestly, and Andy will tell you with his club, for £5 you see some real entertainment on a Saturday. You really do. And I think clubs should be trying to promote that in their communities as well. Good stuff. I don't you know he seems like the season started uh, started yesterday. Hard to believe there's only a, a couple of games left for a few clubs. But um, yeah, plenty to look forward to. Uh, a quick word for our sponsors before we, uh, before we get on with the show. Media Agency 44 Creative. Not only do they have photographers, graphic designers, videographers and video editors to help promote your content, brand, organisation or event, they now offer website services too. They make creation personal and they'd love to hear from you. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com and we'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show, and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. We had a great email from Michael Booth last week with some ideas on some people to speak to in the East, which we're looking into. So thanks for getting in touch, Michael. Uh, And if you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Hi, I'm Sean Kenny, manager of Deer Thistle. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Lanark United co-boss Andy Suter is on the show this week. Uh, thanks for being with us, Andy. No, it's great to be on, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm looking forward to, to catching up with you, so should be good. Good stuff. Before we uh, chat some more, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club from SPFL League One all the way down, then reveal the answer at the end of the show. And this week, you've got the clues, Paul. Over to you. Can't believe I'm doing this this week. I'm virtually giving you the answer, honestly. You say this every week. I know, but it's unbelievable. How you don't get these every week, yeah, that's beyond me. So they were established in 1947. This West Lothian club has a badger on their badge. Now, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. They play at Albany Park, or Alban Park. They play in the East of Scotland Premier League. Easy, man. That's so easy. I mean, Andy's got it already, look. I wish that was true. Look, you see that, eh? He's got it already. Gareth, pressure's on you now. And what we'll do, we'll reveal the answer at the end of the show, and I'll give you the clues again. Giving it away, honestly, absolutely giving it away. Thanks, you're all, you're all heart, aren't you? No many left like me, Gareth. <laughs> I'm Adam Hopes, co-manager of Drumchapel United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Lanark United co-boss Andy Suter is on the show. Uh, well, Andy, I think I think it's now over three months since you and Simon Neils took over from Colin Slater and Cameron McNish. Yeah, we came in sort of towards the end of November, so yeah. just just over. Um, it's gone quick. It's been been super quick. 
um, the ups, the downs. I think we've had everything in that three, four months. Um, but it's been good. It's been good. It's it's, it's been exciting. Just um, just a bit of background. I mean, I think again, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you were bottom of Conference C when you went in. You're bottom now, but you picked up your second win of the season on the weekend. Um, yeah. Against East Club right there, Salatuna win. Just, I mean, just, just how you touched on it a bit there, but just how tough a how tough a job has it been, and was the weekend a kind of sign of you getting things moving in the sort of direction you'd hoped to? Um, it's had its highs and lows, to be honest with you. I mean, we when we came in, um, there was a lot of changes that we had to make. Um, as you can imagine, they were struggling. For us, that meant a lot of players changing, new players coming in, players going out. Um, and that's probably why it's taken a bit of time to get up and running. Um, I think the results that we've had probably don't do us quite a lot of justice, to be honest with you, because a lot of the games we've been in, they've been tight. They've been really tight and we've maybe done by a, a mistake, an individual error. Um, when we first came in, it was you know, there was a serious fitness issue in the team. Um, it was blatant to see. And with size, background and, and fitness, credit where it's due, he's, he's got the boys up to a really good standard. Um, and we're now seeing sort of the benefits of that in games. Um, the EK game was obviously off the back of the cup game that we had um, sort of midweek. And, and hopefully that's us now getting a little bit of momentum. And, you know, for a lot of managers, the, the season's done. There's only a couple of games left. But for us, we've got the game against Pollock in the cup, which is a big a big sort of motivator. So our next two games against Nielsen and, and Kilsaif are, are as big as ever because, you know, we want to keep momentum going, want to keep confidence going. And, and the reality is the guys that are, that are playing, that they're playing for their places, play against Pollock. That, that's a big draw for them. So, you know, it, it, it's been tough. It's been difficult. There's been highs, there's been lows. But but as a whole, I think, I think we're going in the right direction now. Um, and with a bit of luck, we'll maybe cause a couple of upsets over the next couple of games, hopefully. I obviously don't want to big up Lanik too much, being <laughs> Kaluk manager and now our nearest rivals, of course. But prior to me taking the job at Kaluk, we had had Jamie McKenzie on the show and we spoke about Lanik and the size of the club at Lanik and the support that Lanik's got. And then obviously Jamie left not long after that. It's, it's, uh, we didn't jinx him, honestly, Andy. And then Colin come in uh, and Colin's a guy who I've got a lot of time for. I know Colin Slater quite well. Uh, what what did you inherit? What, what, where do you think the kind of and I'm going to say it probably fall from grace a little bit from Lanark because they were performing well in the division above what I perceive as the division above what you've got to be in next year. So they yeah. were in the old league. Would that be League Two? Is that what it was called before? They were in yeah. the old League Two, doing well. Where, where do you think it kind of turned for Lanark? I think COVID was probably a, a big. In, in sort of in reflection, probably a a bad decision for the club to continue to play, um, because what's happened is they've played, they've done quite well in that division, um, and then when the leagues have reopened after the stop, you know we've maybe not previous managements maybe not got players signed early enough, and, and players have then left, um, and then the recruitment side of it, getting new boys in, has probably been a struggle it always is and I think it was harder that year coming back from Covid where everyone was really a free agent that you know decided not to play on so I think that was a challenge and in credit to Colin and Spike I think 
their problem was start of the season just trying to get a team on the park. We were low on numbers. Um, they were scrambling to get players, and, and credit where it's due, you know, they got a team on the park at the start of the season because you know pre-season friendlies had to be cancelled due to lack of numbers and stuff like that. So they had a difficult job from day one, um, but, but they managed to get a team on the park. They were competitive enough, um, so a lot of credit's got to be given to them because you know for some people that's a, a that's a difficult job when you're you're scrambling to get boys. We've all been there where you have call-offs and stuff like that, but when they're trying to just get a, a team on the park, never mind about dealing with calls and stuff like that, it's difficult. So uh, I think you've got to give them a lot of credit for, for what they did. Um, but going back to your question, what we inherited, um, you know, we, I don't think we inherited a bad team. Um, a lot of good players in there. Uh, not all of them players that kind of suited mine and size idea of how we wanted to play and that kind of model. So we, we obviously have to move some on, but it doesn't mean they're bad players. It just, wouldn't represent us on the park, but they'll go on to other teams and do well. Um, but if you look at what we've got, we've still probably got eight or nine of that original team um, that we inherited, and we've, we've signed most of them back on for next season. Um, so we didn't inherit a bad team. I, I just think we needed to add a wee bit of, a wee bit of structure, um, a few fresh ideas. Um, but, but as a whole, I don't think we inherited a bad team at all. I'm looking at some of the, the signs that you have made, and I see... Uh, young Niall Burke joining you. We I played my, my last few weeks at New Mains. Played young Niall uh, Jerison Boys Club. Is that the kind of route you're looking to go down? Uh, trying to get younger players that can under 21. Type yeah. And bring them on. I, I think the idea when, when me and Si kind of got approached to do the land job, I met up with Si ourselves and we had a bit of discussion of how we wanted to take the team. Um, and the idea from the off was to try and get maybe four or five experienced heads in there that can make the spine of the team and then give young boys opportunities. Um, for, for me, my background, I've worked with pro youth for a lot of my, my time, um, all different sort of age groups. And, and I think if you give young boys a chance and opportunity, nine times out of ten, they'll repay it. Um, not always, not always, but you give them the opportunity and you give them the the information that they need and you can bring them on, that they will repay it. Um, and having that wee bit of experience in there helps a lot. Um, so, so our model, if you want to call it that, has been trying to get four or five experienced players throughout the team and then to give to give younger players a chance. One of the things uh, that obviously happened to, to Lanark not that long ago uh, in the bad weather and the high winds, uh, I noticed the, the ground and the, the roof had blown off the stand and stuff like that. And fair play to the Lanark community, they seem to have rallied round and... and, and started repair work. Where are you at with that? Is, is, is all the work being carried out or is it still going to be another wee while yet for you back into Moor Park? No, so the good thing is we're getting back into Moor Park for the last two home games plus the Pollock game. Um, the ground's been made safe, which was the which was the biggest issue. Um, when the stand blew down, there was a couple of sort of pillars still up, um, so it was deemed unsafe to play. Um, but that's been in, they've cleared all that just now, um, so it's deemed safe, there's no stand unfortunately, so if it's a wet day, you know, it's not going to be the nicest place to be, but we're in the process of, of getting a new stand put in, um, George is, is kind of dealing with all the, the builders and stuff like that for that, and we're hoping to have that in place by the start of next season, um, so it's a case of managing what we've got at the moment, um, and hopefully come the start of next season we'll have a stand in, in place to go with a bit of luck. And I think Lanark as well, you've got great support in terms of sponsorship up there. Lots of trades and there's 
you know, building companies and things like that. Are they all rallied around to help uh, yeah, I mean, recreate and get the stand built? Yeah, you, you only have to look at the when it actually happened, the amount of people that came out. And that wasn't, people weren't asked to come out. It was just people off their own back. They'd seen on Facebook, Twitter, obviously the ground had been damaged. And, and there was probably circa 30, 40 people there, um, ex-managers, ourselves, players, local people from the community all came and helped, cleared it away. Um, that shows the support the club's got. Um, the sad thing is me and Sai haven't really managed to experience a home game. We've had one game against Yoka um, at the start and then that happened. So a lot of our sort of home games have been played, you know, in different places at the moment. So it'll be good for us to actually get back and experience, you know, the home ground of Lanark. OK, no stand, but, but that'll be rectified soon enough, hopefully. How tough is that when you go into a new club and effectively your home ground gets taken away for a portion of time, which is that place that I guess you'd you'd hope to make your fortress and, and the place you'd hope to sort of build your, your sort of foundations on, if you like, getting a good record there? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. We, we've got players that have, have signed for us and have never been at our home park. <laughs> um, you know, they've never been at the ground and, and stuff like that. And, and one of our selling points is we've got a very good pitch. It's a, it's a grass pitch we've got and it's very well maintained. So, you know, for young boys, you know, we want to try and play, we want to play a certain way. And, and one of them selling points is our pitch. And unfortunately, we've not been able to use it. Um, flip side of it, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we train on Astro. So we've been playing on Astro recently. So it's kind of leveled itself out a wee bit in that respect. It's, it's maybe helped itself. But, you know, the ground up there is great. It's a nice big pitch, good grass pitch. Um, so for our players, I think they're looking forward to getting back. And for myself as well, I think I think it'll be good for both of us to be back there and, and back home, shall we say. Presumably, even for you, for you and uh, Simon on a match day as well. I mean, you're having to basically move your team around the part, a part of a country. Whereas if you had your base, you had your office and things like that, things would be so much much easier, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it would be, but it's not. I'm not going to say it's caused massive problems. It hasn't. I think it's just that good, feel good fact that you want. You want your home ground. Um, I mean, we've played that. We played the game at your home. If I, yep. if I look. Um, we've played down at DL Pitch, which is where we train. Um, and when we've gone to these places, they've all been they've all been great. To be fair, they, they've helped us where we've needed to. Um, you know, so we're grateful for that. But like I said before, we want to get home. The sooner we can get back and have the stand up for the fans, that'll be great. But from our point of view, to to be able to finish the season um, at home, it, it feels probably right to right to do that. So it'll be good. I was actually at the game that you played at uh, uh, the John Cummings Stadium against Glasgow Perthshire. That's right. And I was actually quite impressed with Lanark, actually. Uh, and I, I was kind of shocked to see them in the position they're in. Uh, have you seen many players? Was there many players that, from the from the last management team that come in that you've had to, to replace? Yeah, so we probably inherited about 15 players when, when we came in, give or take. Uh, we've probably roughly got rid of seven and brought seven in, um, so there has been there has been a change in that. Um, and you're not the first person to say that, to be fair, um, in terms of how our performances have been. We we have improved, um, and I think that's clear for for everyone to see. We've had in amongst some of the sort of poor results we've had, you know, beating Renfrew was a highlight um, in the cup. Rob Roy in the cup again, a good result. Um, so. 
and we've had a couple of draws along the way as well, where you know we probably felt on an other day we could have we could have maybe won the game. Um, so there's been positives, um, and I go back to what I said earlier on: the squad we inherited wasn't a bad squad. It just it just needed to tweak some of the personnel, maybe bring in a little bit more experience, which is what we did, um, and introduce them getting a little bit fitter and maybe a wee bit more shape in terms of our structure and how we go about things, and and that's kind of helped us a lot in terms of how we've gone and how we've played. So, I think as well, probably a slight disadvantage you not being at home because you're probably not experienced it, but the, the crowd that Lana can get, uh, and you'll certainly experience it if you're playing Pollock at home up there, it'll be a terrific, it'll be a terrific uh, support, and that Porter cabin at the back will be rocking if that, if that didn't get blown away in the high. <laughs> Porter cabin's still there, so I'm sure it will be. There'll be a lot of happy punters that that didn't go. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, we, we, we got to experience a little bit against Yoka when we played there. Um, but it's hard for me to say, a lot of people say, oh, you know, what, what's the club like? And, and the committee's been great with us and whatnot, but you don't really get a feel for the club when you've not had them home games. Um, you know, we, we get quite a good away following as well. Um, a decent kind of crowd comes, it's sort of the same people, but, but they're always there. Um, but for us, it'll be good to get a, a home game and actually see see kind of what we get through the gate and, and, and see that support that the club have. The other thing, uh, obviously, I think it was uh, back last year through COVID, the club obviously lost its president. Uh, yeah. And Mr Anderson, uh, how's, the, how's that been? Have you brought in new committee members or is it uh, still sort of the same guys running it? Has there been much changes behind the scenes? No, I mean, that was before, obviously, my size time. Um, but I believe it's still give or take the same kind of guys. Um, I think there's potential for a couple of sort of fresh faces to come in. Um, George, who is kind of the, the main man, if you want to call it that, he does everything um, from the ground to the kit man to sort of all aspects of the club. And then we'll probably have a bit of dealings with Alan, who's the secretary. Um, out with that, that's probably the two key guys we deal with on a sort of day-to-day basis. Um, there is more in the background that obviously deal with other aspects of the club. Um, but from our point of view, that's probably the two main guys that we deal with. Um, I don't know if there's new faces, or, to be honest with you, or what that kind of, if there's been changes. You, you mentioned the, obviously, the game against Pollock that's coming up. With the way things ha- have been in the league, and, and you and Simon coming in, Basically behind the eight ball and playing catch up straight away. Mm-hmm. Has how kind of how good has the cup run been as a bit of an antidote towards that and a bit of a kind of a pressure release so that you can go and and maybe have those games shown what you can do when there's no when when there's less pressure on you or there's there's less of that kind of season's form weighing down on your shoulders a little bit. It's probably kept our season alive, if, I, if I'm being honest with you. We've came in and it's been difficult at times, but these good results have gave us something to look, kind of continue to look forward to and, and, and kind of kept the league games meaningful. Um, obviously, we want to pick up as many points as we can and we want to kind of show the improvement because that's going to help us attract players come next season if we can show that the you know the transition that we're going through at the moment. But since the pot draw has been made, I don't think many people have stopped talking about it from the club. You know, they're excited about it. Um, it's probably the draw we wanted, to be honest with you, when you've seen it. Um, no disrespect to any of the other clubs that are out there, but for me, you'd rather go and test yourself against Pollock. Good crowd, good game, good atmosphere. 
and the big selling point for us, a lot of the young boys, that's as good a player as you're going to play, give or take. Um, so it's a chance for them to go and see where they're at. Um, and for me, that's that's a massive selling point. It's a massive sort of drive for the younger boys to kind of want to be a part of that game. But the sad reality is, you say, no, we'll only keep 11 boys happy and we all know the script. Everyone else is disappointed. But from now to then, it's up to the boys to kind of push their way into the team and uh, it's down to them and, and then we'll make the difficult decisions after that but um, it's, it's definitely a good thing to keep kind of to keep the club going and to keep keep the season kind of running the way we want it to be I think financially when, when Pollock come in the cup as well Andy it's uh, going to certainly help you guys going into next season as well absolutely I mean yeah everyone knows the kind of following Pollock's got uh, the, you know when you when you see the teams in, in the sort of prem there's that four or five, six teams that have have that big following, and in as manager or as players, that that's what you want to be involved in. Um, you know, if if you don't look forward to that game and, and don't want to be a part of that, you're probably in the wrong game, to be honest with you. Um, and and look, we don't go in there just wanting to show up. We I I think we can give them a game. Um, we did well against Rob Roy. We did well against Renfrew. Teams that are, are sort of closer to them. I know, and maybe not as as strong a team but we're not going there just to kind of show up and and just enjoy the moment we, we want to go and give a good account of ourselves and and see if we can cause a little upset or see if we can at least give them a scare within it um because like i say i go back to it we've got good players we've got guys that can handle the ball um and it's something that we keep encouraging them to do we won't change the way we play for, for pollock we'll, we'll go and play the way we've been playing and encourage the guys to do the exact same thing and we'll see where that takes us so one to look forward to just for clarity, I mean, we all know what these games are like at the end of the season. When is the Pollock game now? When has that been scheduled in? Not been confirmed yet. Right. Uh, I, I think Kenny Young's stressed out enough with all the league fixtures he's trying to, to get fired in for the Premier League. So we don't know, but we're hoping, from our point of view, we're hoping that the Cup game's on the Saturday. Um, you know, I think it doesn't lose a bit of the spectacle, but if it gets made a midweek game, a little bit, you know, you lose a bit of that shine on it. So from from our point of view, we're hoping it's my Saturday game. But Kenny, Kenny will always decide that in terms of what he does. We had Kenny on last week. That guy's got plenty of time in his hands. <laughs> he's always listening to the show. Kenny, I'm only kidding if you're listening. <laughs> and and you've and you it doesn't really, I said, doesn't really get any easier. But I think um, you know, you've, is, I think is it Neil Nielsen you've got this this weekend? I mean, that, yeah. that's going to be a tough test again, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think any of the games have got left uh, easier ones, if you want to call it that. But we've actually done all right against the bigger teams. Um, when we went and played Peasy away, we were down to 10 men after 20 minutes. We gave a penalty away, one nothing down. Ended up down to nine men because of an injury and we'd used our subs and we lost a goal in the last minute of the game. So we got beat 2-0. But we, again, we good, gave a good account of ourselves. Um, you know, we played from Chapel. Score didn't really reflect the game, if I'm being honest. Beat 3 0. Um, you could look at that and say, oh, bad day at the office, but the actual performance was good. Um, just sort of individual errors cost us on the day. So, you know, the bigger teams we, we seem to have actually kind of raised their game and done quite well against. Where we've maybe let ourselves down is when we've not lesser teams, that's not the right word, but when we've played teams that, you know, are maybe closer to us in the league or, or, or along that lines, and we've maybe, we've maybe, you know, not got the standards that we've done in, in other games, and that's where it's kind of killed us a little bit. So, I think you get that with younger players. 
know, working with younger players, it's trying to maintain that standard. It's something we go on about quite a lot, about making sure our standards are high and that we don't drop our standards when we go and play certain opposition and stuff like that. To take us inside that dressing room, Andy, I mean, you've talked about some of the plays you brought in and, and, and things like that. Give us a give us a give us a kind of a, an insight into some of the guys in that dressing room. You know, as we say every week, you know, there's always the louder ones, there's always the, the what the quieter ones, the ones who are good for morale, the ones who you can go to if you need a message, kind of put yeah. around the squad and all that. Give, give us give us a few of the sort of characters inside that dressing room. Um, so I'll probably start with Cammy Lawson, um, centre half, 24, but he looks about. 32. Um, he's been at the club. Hard, hard paper round, is it? Something like that. Um, <laughs> probably the way, probably the way he plays. Um, no, he, he's great. To be fair, he's been. I think he's played for the club since he was about 17. Um, so for a guy of his age, the amount of actual appearances he's got, it, it, it's quite phenomenal. To be honest with you, um, old-fashioned defender, head of the ball, getting the way of it, tackle. You know, probably doesn't get enough credit for how good he actually is on the ball because he's. He does a lot of the ugly stuff. Um, great at moaning at the referee. I don't know how many bookings he's got for for moaning at the referee and, and not being able to bite his tongue. But uh, man after that. your own heart, Paul. Man after your own heart. Which star? Likes moaning at the referee. Gets the odd card. Oh, not me. <laughs> no, change man, Gareth. Change right, man. Sorry, Paul. Sorry, sorry. No, sorry, you're right. <laughs> um, so, so from that point of view, he's our captain. Um, great for the club. Great player and, and again good with the younger boys to kind of bring them on um, we've brought Gary in um, brought him in from Blantyre uh, centre half again great player Gary Campbell very, yeah. Gary Campbell yeah uh, very composed centre half works the police so he does miss the odd wee bit and bits in here because he's quite he's still early on with the police but you know as that goes on he'll, he'll hopefully get a wee bit more flexibility with that and, and make sure he makes most of the weeks but in terms of ability and, and what he brings and composure and again helping the younger players, you know, fantastic and um, really, really good. We also brought in, you'll probably see a common theme here, we brought in Con Boyle um, from Blantyre. He's been at Lanark as well. Um, again, someone with bags of experience who's won league titles, who, who climbed the divisions with Blantyre. Um, so these are guys that have, have been there, done it at the lower levels and, you know, they're coming back to something that they've, they've done before. So for us, great guys to have in that, that have, you know, won, won games. Um, we brought in we Cammy Marshall uh, from Hamilton. Well, he got released from Hamilton and went to Blantyre in the 20s. And then we brought him in on loan from Blantyre. Um, he's done great. He's, he's been really, really good. Um, bags of energy. Quite a quiet lad, but bags of energy. Brave brave as you like he's about four foot two um, so a lot of people underestimate what you get when but, but he's great um, and then we go up top we, we've got so again we brought in Derrin um, from Royal Albert Derrin Lang Derrin yeah. Lang from you, you know their surnames better than me um, from <laughs> Royal Albert um, he's come in he's done great um, you know, for for me, his only issue is he needs to believe in himself a wee bit more because he's got all the the attributes to be a very very good player. Um, you know, he, he can lead a line in different ways and whatnot. So for us, you know, great attribute, great, great kind of acquisition to have. Um, but just needs to believe in himself a little bit more. He, he kind of it can be quite hard on himself at times when when he's got bags of ability. So he just needs to kind of back himself. Um, you've also got, you've also got a world champion Irish dancer. 
we do in Nile. Um, the, the poor boy's taking a bit of stick about that. Um, <laughs> world number four, I believe he is, um, with Irish dancing. Um, I think the boys are still trying to convince him if he scores a goal to, to pull out a wee celebration, but I don't think he's taking his own, to be fair. Um, but no, Niall, to be fair, Niall, he came in, it was, it was kind of, wasn't didn't know a lot about Niall when he came in, to be honest with you. Um, tidy enough player, and I, I worried at first, will, will he manage it physically? Because he's not the biggest of lads. Um, but to be fair, um, put him on against West Shaw and I think his first challenge, he put a boy two foot in there and I went, OK, that's fine, convinced. Um, and, and you know what, he's taken to it really well. Um, and that's a boy that, again, you know, I think he'd probably go higher in the game if he, if he applies himself the right way. Probably needs to learn the game a little bit more, but he's got the attributes there. Um, very, very tidy player. We also, um, we also, we've also started a bit of a, a sort of a, a weekly feature on the the inside into the kit man, inside into the kit man at uh, at clubs. You've already mentioned uh, George Reed. Yeah. Does that tell us a bit more about George in that context? You know, because some some kit men are quite uh, quite intense, quite proud. You know, of, of, I think first of all, Gareth, he's actually the club. Uh, He's one of the directors at the club, isn't he? Or yeah, one he's, he's one of the board. I think he just lays the straps out. I don't. I think he's slightly more senior than Kitman. No, he's a club well, president. Andy's words, not mine. He said he was a Kitman as well. He, he does everything. To be fair, um, George, when it comes to Kit, um, I always laugh because usually on a Saturday after the game, my phone goes, um, and it's George moaning that one of the boys have taken a run out top home, or they've taken a, a jacket, or, or whatever it may be. Um, it's usually a half an hour call that I, I need to tell him it's fine, we'll get it back, we'll get it back and then it turns up on a Monday night and he's happy again so no, I, I can't fault George, he's there early he's always got the kit laid out no boys want for anything um, and he, he's precious over it he, he looks after his stuff so uh, you know, he, he, he's ideal um, and anything we want, he gets us to be fair um, there's never we're struggling for any, he'll go out his way to get it. So in that respect, you can really ask for more. Um, and then he does his juice and he has the water out for half time and, and all the other wee bits and pieces. So no, wouldn't change it. Wouldn't change it. Perfect for what we need. He also cuts the pitch as well, doesn't he? I I got a couple of photos earlier on today of him obviously trying to get the pitch sorted for Nielsen. So I sometimes wonder if he's got an actual job. Um, he, he tells me he does, but. He does that much around the club in terms of, like I say, with the kit, the, the pitch, president of the club. He, he does a heck of a lot. And he's actually, in a, it's funny you say that, recently sent me a couple of photos of him at work, I think, to try and prove a point because I keep questioning whether everybody actually has a job or not. And you actually just know him as the kit man? And I just know him as the kit man. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Chris Strain and I'm the Cowan and Rangers manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. And now it's time for Mark Mackay to tell us who was this week's Best of the West. Last week's Best of the West saw New Mains go head-to-head with Greenock at Victoria Park. It was recently appointed David Menelogy's first home game in charge and also a first home game for the new committee. It was a goalless first half, with both sides having good chances. The home side took the lead when defender Craig Scott opened the scoring after a bit of head tennis. New Mains finished the game with 10 men, falling a red card. Greenock also finished with 10 men, this time due to injury. 
was a great first home win for many of us, not so good for Greenock's promotion push. My name's Tommy Sloan, Auchinleck Talbot manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Lanark United co-boss Andy Suter is on the show this week. Uh, Andy, we've talked about the club and uh, you know how it's gone this season. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, how you and Simon Eels, your, your co-manager, um, how you two came to work together. I mean, we've already mentioned the sort of Blantyre links. Was, was, was that effectively where it, it came from? Yeah, um, what happened was I was working at Queen's Park at the time um, and I was in the process of doing my licence. I needed to work with some older players um, to, to do that. So I went in, I knew Davey Flanagan, who was taking the, the under-20s. Um, he allowed me to come in do a couple of sessions. I quite enjoyed working with the, sort of the older players under-20s, so I ended up kind of going in there. I, I left Queen's Park and went into there. Um, and I got to know Simon, really. I'd go down and watch the old first game and I'd get the old conversation with Simon. Um, and then on one occasion, John Gibson asked me to come in and help them out. Um, and again, that, that's kind of probably the first time I dealt with Simon in a dressing room sense or anything along that along that sort of lines. Um, and then from there, really, I, I didn't. I'm not going to lie, so we we knew each other really well. We didn't. Um, I, I got a phone call for Simon, and obviously the lineup thing came up, and he asked, you know, if we would meet up, and, and we did, and we had a kind of conversation regarding how it would work and how it would look, and we both actually got within. It's worked out quite well because we both got roles that we do, and it's quite quite well kind of divided. And um, we probably both know what our strengths are in terms of for the team. Um, so it was kind of it kind of happened quicker than than I expected, even for myself, because my ambition's always been to get into it. Um, and it just so happened that an opportunity came up. Simon Simon kind of reached out, and, and from there it's kind of materialised into where we are now. So. And is Simon still playing, or is he hung up his boots? No, he's still playing. He, that's usually the, the one debate we have. We don't debate much, but it's usually him arguing whether he's starting or not. So uh, you telling him he's not and him telling me he is. So that's usually the only debate we have. Um, still playing. And, and you know what? I, I'm actually being a bit harsh there. He, we talk about experience in the team. Sai's been there, done it. Um, you know, he's had a good sort of junior career in terms of the clubs he's played for and what he's won. So again, when we go down that model of working with younger players and, and having sort of that, that couple of experienced players he, he's perfect for what we, we look to do um, I think I've got I think I'm giving them one more season and then we'll retire them um, he'll play next season and then, and then we need to have a conversation and sit down I think and it'll be time to retire can't be playing after 40 <laughs> you, you said you've got kind of maybe distinct roles but we'll come on to you in a minute and your background and your coaching and yet you've mentioned you you know you like your a like well you mentioned you've got you doing your license and things like that are you more the coach are you the guy who would take training because of that is that maybe kind of elaborate a bit on how you the two of you work together no we, we do we do still size obviously backgrounds and fitness so we've put a massive emphasis on that um this season um and it's something we'll continue to do so Every session, we, we do do an element of fitness with the boys, um, and they're starting to see the benefit from it. I mean, if you look at when we first came in, we were losing games in the last 20 minutes. Um, it was killing us. We're now actually winning games in the last 20 minutes, and that's that's probably taking four months to get us to that that kind of the levels that we need to be at. So, from that point of view, side does a lot of the sort of the fitness stuff with the guys. 
Um, I'll probably do more of the shaping, uh, the, the kind of the shaping of the team, and then between us, you know, if it's boxes or stuff like that, either of us will do that in terms of doing possession boxes and, and whatnot. But I'll do the shape, he'll do the fitness, and then, like I say, the rest of the session will probably bounce off between the two of us, to be fair. And was it, I mean, I know about your background in coaching. Play, Playing-wise, was was was. T- tell us a bit more about that. How you kind of got into football at the, at the beginning before we just come on to your your coaching. So didn't have the the greatest playing career is the reality. Um, played when I was younger. Um, played up till I was sort of eighteen. I was still playing at the time, and I kind of just fell into coaching. If I'm being honest with you, um, I, I actually wanted to go away to the RAF to be a fitness instructor. Was the plan? Um, as a young guy. And they told me to go and get some coaching experience. So I was playing for my local team, Clark, um, up in Inverness. Um, so I was playing for them and I asked if I could get involved with some of the coaching. Um, one thing led to another and I decided the RAF wasn't going to be for me, but I quite enjoyed the coaching. So I just kind of kept it on um, and I was still playing. Um, but then I got an opportunity to, I kind of did my early badges and I got a call from Inverness, Cali to ask about coming and start coaching there so that the coaching kind of kind of took over a little bit and it's probably a little bit of regret I think I would have in hindsight probably like to have played a bit more rather than, than jumped into the coaching so early um, but it's one of them I've, I've done quite well at the coaching as well um, in terms of where it's taken me and, and stuff like that so I can't I can't moan at it too much It does seem to be coaching seems to be becoming a younger man's kind of role. Interviewing Dermot O'Carroll, the new St Mirren assistant manager with Stephen Robinson, and he was saying that he actually voluntarily quit playing at 29 after yeah. four years without an injury, so that he could get ahead of the game in coaching. Yeah. Um. Do 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 you, do you look around and I mean there are a lot of young 30-something guys in the dugouts across the West of Scotland League now, aren't there? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of younger guys doing it. Um. I would probably still encourage guys to play as long as they can. And I know that's a bit hypocritical, considering I didn't do it. Um, but I, I still don't. For me, I, I would encourage guys to play as long as they can. There's plenty of time to do the coaching side of things. Um, like I say, I, I just so happened to fall into it. Took me over to America and stuff like that for a couple of years. Um, and it's just something that I maintained. Um, but in terms of players, I would encourage them to play as long as they can. And like I said, there's plenty of time to do the coaching afterwards. And how does a man from uh, Inverness find himself in Lanark <laughs> as co-manager? Um, so yeah. I spent I spent a couple of years in America. Um, well, just just shy of two years. Um, and when I came back to Inverness, the the size of it probably I got a bit disillusioned with it, shall we say. Um, and I got a job opportunity work-wise to come down to, to Glasgow. Um, so I moved down to Glasgow for work. Um, and then from there, I, I just got involved with different clubs. I've been involved with Queen's Park and Morton since I've been down here. Um, I've been down here five, six years now. Um, so I got involved with them. And then, obviously, like I said earlier on, the, the connection on the side came through Blantyre and, and kind of helping out there. Before we, we mentioned that spell in America, I think in Seattle and Washington, uh, you know, you mentioned Inverness and <clears throat> and Ross County too. I think you had a you had a spell at yeah. I mean, what yeah. what, what were what were those experiences like um, in terms of only honing your coaching skills and also both clubs 
in recent history have been very kind of upwardly mobile. Yeah. Inverness maybe Inverness maybe back down again a little bit now, but you know they've they've both been clubs that have had success in at the top levels of Scottish football. So was that was that a great grounding to be a part of? Yeah, I mean. For me, I've been lucky that I've worked with a lot of, a lot of good coaches um, over my time, and bad ones, to be fair, there's been, there's been some bad ones as well in there, but a lot of good coaches that, that I've been able to kind of take wee bits and pieces from. Um, my time at Cali, uh, there was a there was kind of, if you want to call it, a wee golden generation there in terms of players that came through for them. Um, there's a lot of them, like Sakami Harper, Roddy McGregor, are all on the first team now. Daniel Mackay, who got his move to Hibs, I think he's now on loan at Kilmarnock, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Um, so I had a my time there. I worked with them from probably the ages of 13 to 15. Um, so it was good to kind of be involved there. And then the reason I moved to County is I got the opportunity to work with an old age group again. It was the 18s at the time. Um, so jumped ship and drove along the, the bridge over across County um, and spent probably there about a year and a half. Um, before I then came down to Glasgow, it's it's there's a great ca- catchment area up there, isn't there? And a lot of we've seen guys like you know your Gary Mackay Stevens and, and and these kind of players who have who have been kind of well, Gary went down to Liverpool, didn't he? And yeah, and, and was I mean, is is it is there a lot of untapped potential up there? You hear about um, guys kind of coming across from from the islands, don't they? To yeah, to be a part of uh, both squads is 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 there a lot of for want of a better phrase, untapped talent up there, do you think? And, and this is where you'd like to see yourself get the chance to work with them and bring them on at, at clubs like um, County and Inverness, a little bit out of the spotlight as well. Yeah, I think the I think the big thing with up the road is they're starting to starting to kind of waking up a wee bit. Um, I remember when we when we first started and I, I kind of first got into it, we would come down to like sort of Rangers, Celtic stuff like that, and you would take a sore one. Um, you know, you could be talking eight, nine. Nine one back on the bus for the hours, thinking what a long day that is. Um, but gradually, you know, the boys have become a wee bit smarter in terms of how to deal with the, the physicality and maybe just that kind of streetwise that they have down here. Um, and you now see quite regularly teams, you know, they come down here and they compete really well with, with the top teams, Celtic, Rangers, Kilmarnock, all these kind of top end in terms of pro youth clubs. Um, so I, I think there's a real sort of bunch of players you'll probably see more players starting to come from sort of the highlands and, and they're actually quite ross county and cal they're quite good at actually getting local boys into the team um which is good to see because you know for the for the area we've not got the biggest fan bases so want to get fans in the door it's something we do at lanark we, we've got kind of a local contingency of boys that we want to try and keep in the club because it's good for the local club i don't think it's any different with these these clubs cali ross county if you can if you can get local boys that are good enough they've got to be good enough um, it can only be good for the club. So, and and, and tell us how the this opportunity to go to the states and go to Seattle, go to Washington. How, how did that come about? Um, it was literally I just seen something online and I applied for it. Um, I had to go for an interview, put on a couple of sessions, stuff like that. Um, I ended up going out to Seattle first. I was there for what was it, seven months or something like that. I was out in Seattle. Um, loved it, loved the lifestyle. Um, same for Washington. I, I then went over to Washington DC. Loved the lifestyle. Um, the biggest problem and, and probably the reason I came home was football wasn't the same. Um, you know they play, they have their off season in terms of you know they play soccer during you know the summer or whatever. But then American football in the winter and 
baseball and, and hockey and whatever else they do. So there's not the same kind of love of the game that you have back down the road. And a lot of people said you're mad coming back here and back to Scotland. But for me, I was over there for football and reasons. And yes, the lifestyle was good. I had a great time, um, great experiences. But football wasn't football as I know it and, and the reason that I like it and I'm involved in it. So it was a case of coming back home, unfortunately. See the, the the league seasons out there are they much shorter? So you have more kind of off time where they do kind of longer pre seasons. Or is the league structure very similar to to how we play back here in Scotland? No, they they, they tend to be shorter. The league leagues quite often are, are probably the crammed into a smaller period because all they they're basically they have their fall, their spring, their summer, and, and within each. It's all kind of dictated by the schools, if I'm being totally honest, a lot of the time, because they, they have certain sports that they run at certain times of the year and the clubs kind of follow that out with the schools. Um, so your, your your seasons are really dictated by you know what they do in, a, in terms of their calendar. Don't get me wrong, some clubs over there will run all year round and stuff like that. There, there's clubs that do that, you know, for kids that do just want to play soccer or, or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's over here, football, the 12 months of the year kind of thing where it's just, even the parents and the kids, like, when they come in and they start talking about baseball and hanging, what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> what, what, uh, what, what age levels were you working with out there? Uh, it varied. Um, I was literally, it was the first time I'd ever actually worked with girls as well. I'd never worked with girls um, before I went out there, but it varied from probably, if I remember right, 12-year-old right up to 17, 18 um so it, and it was mixed abilities as well some of them were some of the clubs you were in were, were excellent really really good tend to be very athletic um not always the most technical but very very athletic um but a, a wide variety of kind of the ages and, and kind of levels that i was working with did, did you therefore have to maybe adapt your coaching style to suit that change of approach and mentality out there um, nah, I always try to be honest. Like that, that's kind of the that doesn't change for me. So, with players, with even with Sai, when we're talking about stuff, which I just try to be honest with it. And I've not really changed that. I, I think the biggest thing was I had to slow down the way I spoke. Um, was that? Looking, Sorry, was that? Uh, very good. <laughs> a lot of the time, they would look at me with kind of bemused faces, thinking, "What's he saying?" Um, so that was probably the biggest challenge. But in terms of kind of my style and, and Nah, not really. Um, yeah, again, I just tried to be honest with them as best I could. And are these and are these clubs all linked to like kind of senior clubs in terms of when you're at Seattle and places like that and in Washington? Was it like a senior club and it was kind of like the pro youth setup, or was it more working within schools and and, and the curriculum within the schools? Nah, um, it's kind of a weird setup. So you do have like the. For, take Seattle for example you've got the Sounders which will have their age groups that run down which would be the equivalent of probably your pro youth um, but then you have they've got different levels of, of football so you would have rec football you would have I can't remember what they would call it but say it was um, state football and then you'd have national football so depending on your ability you would either play for a rec team a state team or a national team and that would dictate your kind of games program in terms of you know if you're traveling around full state traveling around the country um so they've actually got it worked out quite a good way to be fair because if you look at that as if you compare that to like a boys club in the divisions but they have that done over maybe like statewide rather 
So it's quite a, quite a clever way of doing it. And, and that means every guy can kind of find their level, wherever you play rec football, which is just kind of local to, to your city, to, to what, you know, going up the levels, you can, everyone's kind of got their level in that. And do you find there's a lot of people go from the UK over there to, to do coaching? Is that something that, was, that, was there a lot of UK uh, guys coaching or was it more American? I think traditionally there was a lot of UK coaches going over. There was there was a big appeal to get a UK coach over or a European coach, if you want to call it that. Um, and there was probably a, a stigma around American coach not being very good. I think that's changing. I think that's changing. I think now you, you probably get just as many American coaches as you do sort of British coaches. Um, they've got their own kind of pathway now that they do in terms of their badges and qualifications and, and where they are now. I don't think there's as much. I, I still think you get a lot of British coaches going over there, but there's definitely more of a, you know, local people because the sport's obviously growing massively over there as well. So there's definitely more people getting into it and, and are quite good at it. Um, so it's something you'll probably see in the future and more coaches coming from there probably trying to apply the trade over here a wee bit So which Americanisms did you come back with when you came back here and you, you started did you were calling it soccer or you were you calling it all the, the locker room and all this kind of stuff no, or? The only one that I, I took a while to get rid of was pennies Was what? Pennies which is a bib Alright so that, that was the only one that I struggled with for a while, um, and it was it was pretty poor when you you've got a bunch of boys from Glasgow and Inverness, and you say take your penny off, and you look at you as if you're sure fit. So <laughs> not ideal. So w- w- when when you came back, I think was was it more was it Morton you went to next? Morton I went to next when I so I came back to Inverness in terms of when I went home, didn't want to stay in Inverness, so got a new job down in Glasgow and went to Morton to start with. And again, working at pro youth level? Pro youth. Um, so I started off with the under-14s, if I remember. Um, I was with Morton for about two, two years, maybe two and a half years, um, with the 14s, the 15s. Um, and then I left Morton and went to Queen's Park after that. And it must be, I mean, is it, before we get to Queen's Park, well, include, including Queen's Park, I guess, all four of those clubs, Inverness, Ross County, Morton and Queen's Park, over the years have have kind of a, a history of bringing young players through. And it must it must make it must make kind of guys like yourself working in those age groups. I'm not saying it makes your job easier, but you've got examples that you can trot off straight away. Yeah. Guys who have gone through the have had the whole pathway. They, they they've been at one at one stage. They were working under a coach like yourself in in that exact team that you're taking, and now they're in the first team or in the, they're in a first team somewhere else. Yeah, um, it's funny you say that because I the reason I kind of I just came a wee bit disillusioned with the whole thing in the end um, because it's great you get that one or two through um, and, and hopefully you know you taught them something along the way, but the amount of boys that that fall out of pro youth and there's probably not a very good exit sort of strategy for them and, and we've all been guilty of it you you know you release a boy um, and you don't know what he's done afterwards and for some of these boys especially the ones maybe the later age groups that get to that sort of 16 17 year old and you release them and where do they go you know clubs don't it's something i think we're very poor at um, we don't have a, a sort of program in place or a way to kind of help these boys and that's from most clubs I don't even think it's just sort of 
the smaller clubs, if you want to call them that, I think most clubs kind of have that issue. Um, it's something that I wouldn't say it was uh, just for me. I've always wanted to kind of to move up anyway. I think I'd, I'd got to the time where I was sick of doing, you know, end of season reviews with players and, and breaking the bad news to them with their parents. And it's nine times out of ten, it's the parent that's more upset than the player and and stuff like that. And like I say the exit strategy for a lot of these players ain't great from clubs. Um, so for me. It was a good time to kind of move up, go and work with the under twenties, and and try and kind of. I've always had an ambition to kind of get into the game anyway, um, in terms of management. Um, so I kind of felt like I'd done my my apprenticeship, if you want to call it that, over the, the ten year or so, nine ten year, um, and it's now time to kind of try and move on and progress the way I want. What is the ambitions for yourself, Andy? Where do you see yourself? You know. In five or six years' time, do you see yourself trying to get higher? It's probably unfair to me when you're in the job at Lamont, but do you see yourself trying to get back into a higher level of senior football somewhere? Um, it's difficult because for, for me right now, my concentration is Lamont. Um, we're only just in the door. Um, you know, as far as me and Sai are concerned, we've not done anything yet. Um, you know, we've not we've not achieved anything with Lamont. We've got ambitions to do well, and, and kind of, I think the structure is there, and the, the players are there to, to take that club up a couple of divisions. I've got no no doubt in that, and I back I back ourselves to be able to do that. Um, you know, for me, I think for young coaches coming in, you, you need to prove yourself a lot more than maybe some others that have played the game and stuff like that. So, I don't know. I, I would never say I'd love to go and coach at the highest level I can. Um, what that level will be, I don't know, but I, I wouldn't. You know, at the moment I'm enjoying Lanark. It's it's new to me. It's a good club to kind of, you know, get get my feet under the sort of carpet and and kind of deal with the problems that I've maybe not been used to. Which which in the four months I've, I think I've seen everything and anything from players chapping your door for not playing and and having to let players go and and all, all that kind of side of it. Um. So yeah, I mean, I want to go as high as I can win the game. I think. Everyone does. I think if you're a manager at any level, even probably yourself, if, if the opportunities came out, you would want to take them. Um, and I'd be lying to say, you know, I don't want to go as high as I can, but, but right now I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Concentrate on Lanark and, and see where we can we can take them. Just just take you back to what you were saying about the exit programs or the exits from the pro youth programs. What 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 would you say would be the solution there then? What 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 kind of in your opinion, needs put in place to kind of soften the blow or to ensure that some of these these kids who are clearly talented kids but maybe just not quite talented enough for that level don't become disillusioned and walk away and get lost, you know, to the game forever? For, for me, I, I think, see, with the likes of the West of Scotland and stuff come into it, I think it even it makes it easier now um, if clubs use it properly because if you take, for example, if you use a, a Queen's Park and if they're releasing players... Why couldn't a Queen's Park build relationships with local clubs that are slightly lower than them, like Sir Pollock's, XYZ, Blantyre, a million miles away from them, whoever it may be, and have a, a way of feeding these players into these clubs rather than just releasing them and, and expecting the boy to go and find a club. Um, now, whether that boy wants to take you up on that offer, he might not, he might be he might be scunnered at the fact that you've let him go or whatever it may be, but at least you're you're kind of trying to provide something for them rather than just saying, you know, thanks for being here for 10 years. It's not worked out, you know, best of luck. And, and I, I might be speaking out of turn here. I don't know how much 
aftercare gets done in, in terms of is there a follow-up three months down the line with these boys? I don't think there is, but I could be speaking out of turn there. There, there might be. Um, but for me, I don't know why these clubs can't build you know, relationships where clubs around them, um, West of Scotland, Lowland League, League Two, League, wherever it is you sit, you know, for Queen's Park, it would obviously be the lower down, X, Y, Z. And at least there's then a some form of ex- exit strategy. Just now, I, I still think it's a little bit, a little bit cutthroat in terms of what they do. And just touching on Queen's Park, what was that experience like being at Queen's Park? Were you there just before the whole kind of takeover and, and turning, turning yeah. full time happened? I was there probably what a year before that all kind of happened. Um, Look, they're, they're a club with ambition. Um, they've obviously, the takeover's happened. They've gone full time. Um, they're trying to climb the leagues. It's one of them. It makes it harder for probably the academy players because they go out and, and get a player rather than, than Queen's Park traditionally have, have brought a lot of young players through. But now, you know, they, they've gone through time. They, they want to get up the leagues as quick as they can. So, who's to say it's right or wrong, but they go out and they, you know, they spend money on a player and they pay, pay sort of bigger wages. But that's not to say it still can't be done. You've just got to look at the boy from Canvas Land, the boy Williamson. Yeah. Got a full-time contract, playing at this level, scoring, you know, bags of goals. And, and, and he's now got the opportunity to go full time, which I think is a, a good kind of advert for this level of football. Um, you know, especially for for a spiker, everyone knows it. If he's scoring goals, doesn't matter what level it's at, someone will take a punt on him because it's everyone's looking for one. So you know, the, there's still opportunities, but for like the Queens Park, I think where they're going in the direction they're going. Will you see as many academy players come through? Again, I don't know, but it'll definitely probably be harder than what it has been in the past, I'd imagine. Did, did, did you get any opportunities at those four clubs, the senior clubs that you worked with over here, to watch the first team train, to, to have any dialogue with the first team managers and, and soak up and tap into their kind of their, their talent to improve, to, you know, to help you? Or, or was it kind of a bit more distanced than that? varied a little bit um Inverness it was pretty sort of distant to be honest with you they did do the odd in service day and stuff like that where maybe the first team manager would put something on um but it was fairly distant um I was quite lucky a guy that I, I did pick up a lot of I don't know if you'll remember Stephen Ferguson mm-hmm. um he was a co-manager up at Ross County um he was actually head of youth originally um, when I kind of went in there and then eventually kind of sort of progressed up and whatnot. So learned a lot of him, very good at what he did. Um, and then Morton, again, Morton and Queen's Park, quite sort of separate. But again, there's good people, there's good people in these clubs that, you know, Gardner Spears at Queen's Park, you know, managed, been at a good level. Um, Derek Anderson, who's the head of youth down at Morton, played at a good level. Um you know, good coach. So there's still sort of good experience guys within these academies that you can you can kind of pick bits and pieces off. And you've got your your UEFA A license as well. How how um yep. how big a deal was that for you? Yeah, it, it's it's one of the things I just wanted to tick off. It, it's not I don't think having an A license makes you a, a super coach or anything like that. It's being able to coach a certain way that the the SFA want you to kind of deliver sessions and stuff like that. Um. For me, it was actually Derek Anderson that gave me the advice. He told me to go and do them. I'd already done my B, but he told me to go and do the A. He says, because if you ever apply for a job, 
says don't get done on a qualification. See if you get done because a guy's better than you, then, then fair enough. But but don't get done on the on the back of a on the back of a qualification. So that, that's kind of why I went and and kind of just tried to get them ticked off and done. Um, and yeah, I mean for me, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm glad I don't need to go. I've just got to keep it up to date now. I don't need to go and do these long courses because they, they are time consuming. Um, they're quite hard work at times, and and they're usually quite amusing as well. After seven days on the training park, you can't even move. It's the standard tends to drop quite a bit. So, for somebody who, you know, you said you you stopped playing earlier than, than you you know you you wished you had. Has coaching now become? I mean, it certainly sounds like it's become a, a real kind of labour of love, a real passion, and something that. I mean, Paul and I have talked a number of times on here about how whatever manager's job you're in, at whatever level you're in, it's not part time. Uh, it's it's full on. Um, just kind of tell us what what coaching has become for you now and and, and management, I guess. Um, I've done it so long. You know, it's like anyone on a Saturday if you don't have a game, you think, "What am I going to do with myself?" You probably go watch a game. Um, you know, even training sessions, I enjoy. I'm not a, a manager that just stands and watch and very sort of hands on and, and likes taking the sessions and being involved in it. So for me, you know, we've got a game off. We'll go to Simon's gym. We'll do a session. The boys hate it because we've got a gym there that we can use. They don't get away with it. They're in. They do a bit. Like it is a labour of love. Personally, I've got my own ambitions. Like we kind of touched on earlier, and I want to go as high as whatever that may be. Um. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what to do with myself when I'm. I don't. I can't remember a time that I've really not been involved in the last sort of ten year now. Um, trying to think if there ever was. There was maybe a spell when I first came down to Glasgow for, for a short period of time that, that I wasn't involved. But I've always been involved in it. Um, so I, I can't really see that that changing anytime soon. Um, it's just something that I've I've loved, and I, and I think for anyone, there's nothing better when you put a session on and you set a team up a certain way and and it's a credit to the boys they're the ones that go out and deliver it but when you put that structure in place and, and, and you're getting results from it it's a good feeling and I'm probably like every other guy where you win your Saturday's great you lose your Saturday's terrible your Sunday's terrible your Monday at training you moan and then you, you then try to move on from it Um. so yeah it's, it's a, a big labour of love now and was, was the Blantyre and the twenties roll the perfect kind of link between the pro youth and now getting this this chance in the west of Scotland. Do you think that it kind of it, it allowed you to almost like piece both ends together and set you up perfectly for for making the step up? That for me, that under twenties leagues underrated. Um, there's good players in it. It's a good standard. A lot of them are linked with sort of good clubs. Um, I didn't think it would happen as quick I was kind of expecting it probably be with the 20s for a year a year and a half or so um, I expected to be there for a bit longer if I was being honest um, I was probably only there what, four months in the end five months something like that um, and then and the opportunity came up but for me it doesn't there's not a lot that changes working with a 14 year old to an adult um, the reality is we can all still learn they don't want to learn then you know are they going to be there as far as I'm concerned because it's the ideas that you're trying to put across and, and these guys have got to be able to take it on board and, and do that um so 
the actual style and what I'm doing doesn't change, maybe make it a little bit more difficult for the older players and stuff like that. Um, I think the biggest learning curve is the actual the messages you're dealing with players on a daily basis. The you know there's a lot more of that side of it. Um, the actual coaching side and the the game days and setting up a team and all that stuff that that doesn't really change. It's just maybe making it a little bit more complex at times and maybe a wee bit more detail that the guys can take on board. You you agree with that, Paul? You've kind of worked with different age groups, haven't you? Yeah, it definitely is. Whole situation changes as well as well. We we somebody come through pro youth that's getting dropped off at fourteen. The dynamics completely change because you've got a guy whose mum and dad drops him off. He's 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 not got a worry in the world. He he he, he turns up. He's there. Uh, you have to manage mum and dad's expectations probably a little bit more than the players' expectations. Yeah. Um, but even going up the age groups then, uh, with the senior team, obviously at Kaluk now, or New Mains, wherever I've managed, it's a case of you know, guys coming in from work as well. You've, you've, got, to, you've got to think, you know, is this guy's coming in from work. What, what are we going to put on? Because ultimately... He doesn't want to come for a game of running. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, how you, it's how you work your sessions and making sure uh, the sessions work for the players. But you also have to remember is the attention span of somebody, a 14-year-old or 44-year-old and a male, is the same. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of, you know, you've only got that window of opportunity. And, and, I've, and you know, over the years, I've tried tweaking things, whether it's, yeah, I'm going into coaching now you're doing traditional sessions where you go in and do a warm-up and it or you then you go in and do your boxes or then you, you finish with a game or you do a whole part hole where you're going in and working on game related practices i tend to like doing that because i always think if you work on a game related practice based on what's happened on the weekend or something you want to implement the following weekend You've got the retention span. Whether that's a corner kick, whether that's a free kick, whether that's something we didn't do right. And I've always said this to any club and players that have ever played under me will all know this. I say we only do things with a purpose. And it's I don't come here and just make up drills for the sake of making up drills. We do it because it's purposeful. And that might mean, you know, Actually, it's not stuff we've done wrong as well. You know, we maybe switched the ball really, really well on Saturday and caused teams real trouble with the way we switched the ball. Let's work on that. Let's work on the stuff we're good at as, stuff, as well as the stuff that we're not so good at. And so that's what I, I kind of like to do. But yeah, in terms of the age groups, you've still got the same concentration. You've still got to finish with a game at the end. You've still got, you know, it's, it's just dealing with people's expectations. And when they're 14 years old, they're not kicking your door down. Or some of them. Or usually it's their dad. Why is he not getting a game on a Saturday? But when, you, when you're, at, at, you know, when a Monday night you can have a queue at your door, asking why they never played on yeah. Saturday. And that's the bit that's probably, like I say, it's not the football side of it. It's the away from the game that's been a wee bit different and kind of dealing with and getting used to. But, but the thing I, the thing me and Si kind of always kind of ran with was boys like to be challenged they might not know it but they like to be challenged and they like to work at a tempo and they see if you can get them to into it and they can see what you're trying to do you know your sessions tend to go quite well um i think if it's boring they switch off i think if it's slow tempo they don't particularly enjoy it and that's the two kind of key things that we try to keep in our sessions i always think as well andy that if you start with a shaping session 
few start and I, I, I don't know the other night on the last Monday start with shaping and the boys get it and they can and they can see what they're trying to do. Not overcomplicated it, not trying to make it too technical. We've to you know players play at a level for a reason. Mm-hmm. If they get if they actually get it and understand it, they enjoy it. Yeah. As well, you, you know, uh, talking about shaping, you can go in and put shape up on a board. As far as I'm concerned, you can go and put shape up on a board, and the boys will sit in the changing room and look at it. Go out, walk through it. See if they go out, walk through it, and they get it. Then you can go and do detail on the board later on. So just be things like that from, from a coaching point of view. I'm not a board of listeners with coaching, but you know, it's like that, that, for me, that's what it is. It's about listen. Every every manager, coach has got an idea of how the game. They think the game should be played. Yeah. And we'll see as long as it's genuinely your idea and they'll try to be somebody else or copy somebody else because they've done it right. If you genuinely believe in it and you know it inside out, and that's whether I've managed at amateur level, you know, we had quite a successful period played a certain way when it, when at the amateurs, to whether it's we went somewhere else and trying to implement it now. If it's your if it's your belief and you believe in it and you can get that message across. It should be enjoyable. And I say that, I also say that to the players as well. Me and Guppy, we're the two fairest guys in the world you'll ever work under. Do you know what I mean? There's nobody more fairer than us. It should be enjoyable. Nobody should be able to turn around and say, I'm leaving that club because I don't like the manager. The only reason they don't like the manager is if they're not putting the work in and they're not getting the game in the team. Yeah. And and that's that's just, you hear that word philosophy. Coaches love the philosophy world. It's not philosophy. It's just the way it is. It's simple. Sometimes we overcomplicate it, and I'll go back to coaching as well. I could talk about this all night, can't I? Uh, you've got, if you watch videos on Pep or Mourinho and all that, do you know what? It's absolutely fantastic, and I embrace it, and I love it, and I think it's absolutely fantastic if you've got a player that you're paying £100,000 for, and you've got all the ability in the world, and you've got all the hours in the week to work in 28 different spaces on the park. See, when you've got them for three hours... You've got to make your style work. It's got to work for the team. So there yeah. is a balance of some of the old-fashioned, you know, some of the old-fashioned methods that I quite like, you know, trying to get that extra psychological advantage, great, or whether you're, you're Pep or you're Josie. Do you know what I mean? You've got to, it's got to fit for what you're working with. And that's the way I look at it. But keep it simple. Hi, I'm Gordon Moffat. I'm the manager of Clyde Bank, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. Right, Paul, over to the uh, over to you for the clues. Honestly, easy. Right, established in 1947. This West Lothian, I even telling you where they play. This West Lothian club have a badger on their badge. They play at Albin Park. They play in the East of Scotland Premier League. Any you idea, know? Andy? I'm struggling here. Really struggling. I didn't realise, Andy, you were fated. I would have went Highland League on this this week. If I knew, if I done my research and knew you were fan I would have had a Highland League one in there for you. Definitely. Highland League of the West, at least. But Can I have a stab in the dark, Paul? Roxburn. Oh, he's done it. He's done it. Tell me, how did you get that? <laughs> West Lothian. Yep. And that was it. <laughs> you've got what button you've got? 
Oh, I think in West Lothian. If, if there's a badger on, I just went with badger on the on the badge. How the beginning would be? There you go. There you go. <laughs> Done well. Done well. Well, wait. Thanks for Andy. coming, on, Andy. Yeah, Andy. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Enjoyed that tonight, and uh, <clears throat> it was interesting to hear your thoughts. You know about the pro youth and stuff like that as well. Um, out with the the west of Scotland, but um, hope things go well for the the last couple of games, and obviously the the cup game against uh, Pollock and beyond that. And um, that over the summer you get your chance to to get a bit more time with the squad and and get things in place to have a real good go next season. No, appreciate you having us on, guys. I've, I've enjoyed it, um, and, and we're a bit of luck, hopefully. Like I say, next season we'll be, be in a better place. Thanks to our sponsors, 44 Creative as well. Go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer, graphic designer, videographer or video editor. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show. Our email address is divisions at gmail.com. That's down the divisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Do leave a comment, which helps others find us, and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Down the Divisions.